You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series, a Salt Studios production. As a student, Dylan Boyd was always suited to something creative. So, it makes sense he became a musician for many well-known and leading bands. It's not as if Dylan didn't enjoy school, though. He was actually a very strong student. In fact, he loved school so much, the trip from Melbourne to school in Kilmore every day, a 150-kilometre round trip, didn't curtail his enthusiasm. He arrived home every night with as much energy as when he left. In this episode, Dylan explains how he fell in love with the Assumption College music program and how he was able to find a mentor to challenge and support his musical interests from a young age. Dylan, thank you very much for sitting down and having a chat. Now I've known you for, I reckon it's about four years. I know your personality, very energised. If someone was to ask me what you were like as a high school student, I would have said you were the naughty boy in the corner. Am I right? You pretty much hit the, the nail on the head there, mate. Why am I not surprised? Yeah, the class clown was definitely an issue, yeah. One of the things I always really wanted to do was perform, and that's where it comes from, I guess, is that... So it was done to, to entertain, not annoy? Of course, always entertaining, yes. How were you getting yourself into trouble at high school? As I said, it was it was more just, okay, Dylan, you've, you, I know you've finished your work and all that kind of stuff, and uh, that's great. Rather than you going and trying to... Uh, you know, distract people and do all that kind of stuff now. Um, we'll either give you uh, five minutes at the end of the class to go nuts or here's a really challenging extra extension work for you to do and I, I bet you can't do that. And I was like, well, of course I can. Give it to me. Let's do it, you know. And they were like, oh, gosh, thank God he doesn't have to do that five-minute performance at the end of the class. <laughs> I'd imagine you would have got pretty regularly on your report cards. He's a good kid but gets easily distracted. Yeah, pretty much. Right from primary school all the way up to high school, pretty much. Did you enjoy high school? I loved high school. I went to a brilliant school. I travelled up every day from Melbourne to to go to Assumption College, which is in uh, Kilmore. Talk to me about that. How does that opportunity come up? Because you're a city kid living in Melbourne. There's plenty of opportunities for, for good schools in Melbourne. Why did you have to get on a bus for an hour and a half every day? My uncle and auntie were teachers there, and uh, I spent a lot of time with them out on their farm growing up. And they were right into their, you know, uh, exercise and stuff like that. So they used to go to the school, you know, after hours and, and, you know, run around the tracks or, you know, play basketball or whatever it was. And so I actually got to spend quite a fair bit of time at the school in sort of after hours capacity. And I just, I knew what the school was like. I could see all the grounds, the vibe of the place, everything. And I remember saying to my folks, you know, as, as primary school was sort of wrapping up, they said, well, you can go to school here in Melbourne. And there were plenty of, as you say, plenty of great schools. But I was, I, I was sold. I was like, no. Nah. Did it take some convincing to get your parents over the line that it was a good idea to, to travel so far just to go to school? No, not at all. They were very supportive. They were just like, okay, that's the school you want to go to? Well, We'll make it happen. Apart from the travel times, what was your school day like? What did you do? Well, you know, like all schools, there's there's lots of extracurricular activity that you're able to be involved in, and right from right from the get go, I mean, the the music program at, at Assumption College was was great, as was the uh, the theatre and the arts and all that kind of stuff. There was ample opportunity for whatever it was that you wanted to do outside of the seven periods of the day. You could do that. And for me, it was music and and drama and the arts and things like that. So where did that love of music and the arts come from? Uh, my parents are a little bit older than most people's parents and they, they brought me up on a, on a staple diet of, of music from the 60s and 70s. And I think Dad paid, played a little bit of guitar and stuff when he was a bit younger, as, as did most dudes. But yeah, so there, there was a real love for music in our household. 
and the great record collection and and we we didn't watch a lot of television we used to put on a lot of albums and uh oh, i'll never forget it you know the first time i ever listened to a, a rock and roll album was probably when i was about seven or eight dad came in and said oh you sit down have a listen to this and it was he put the needle on the vinyl and it was led zeppelin one and track one from that album is good times bad times and he just he put the needle on the vinyl and just went on the on the volume and it's that big down down and I was like, whoa, you know, that's amazing. I've got to do and, this with the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, so started, I think I started playing guitar around 11 and then by the time I hit high school and like I said, with that amazing music program and a really, really amazing and supportive music coordinator in Peter Barlow was his name um, and his wife, Annette, um, they, they ran, pretty much ran the, the Assumption College music program right up until I left and... Uh, yeah, he was. He always used to challenge me, and um, you know, again, even in band rehearsals, still the class clown. And yeah, we rubbed. You know, we sort of. There was a few abrasive moments between the two of us because obviously he's trying to get things done, and I'm there, twiddling around and playing around and whatever. He was. He he used to just challenge me. He's like, okay, well, if you can play this, how about you? Here's another piece. Try and play that. Just constantly trying to get me to be challenged as a musician, and he was he was fantastic, and and. To this day, I still credit him with, I guess, where I am as a musician. Let's put music to the side for a brief moment. What were you like academically? I always kept up a healthy balance of arts and academic subjects. Uh, right up in, even until year 12, I did uh, physics and methods and, and obviously we all did English, but then there was, I think I did theatre studies and music solo and music group. But I wanted to keep up the maths and the physics because I actually had a, a real love for aviation. And that comes from, again, my father and my mother. They, they both worked for Qantas for nearly four decades. And uh, I got my pilot's license when I was 16. And there was kind of this, this argument in my head, oh, do I want to become a pilot? Do I want to become a musician? I had this two kind of great loves in life. So, yeah, I've tried to apply myself as best I could in both realms just to sort of have that choice at the end of year 12 to say, right, well, there's a bit of a fork in the road here. Uh, what path do I want to take? And it's interesting. We we're talking about Peter Barlow before, uh, head of music, and I applied for a, for a few things with aviation. And then uh, I also just sort of started looking into going to, you know, do some higher education with music. And he caught wind of this and he said straight away, he just goes, I hear you're going to be looking to get into music. Well that'd be where I put my money on you, mate. And it was like, it was a real moment. And then I, I got into both. I got into a, an aviation course and I got into a music course after an audition and all that kind of stuff. And I had to make that decision. And it was like, well, I can always be a pilot. You know, that's not really age specific. But for me, it was uh, the choice to do music was that I wanted to, I guess I wanted to enter the creative arts industry with age on my side, I guess. Like most kids, you know, the pipe dreams of becoming a recording artist and all that kind of stuff. But I just, I just wanted to work. I wanted to go out there and do gigs and whether it was covers or originals, I didn't really care. I just wanted to work and be able to play music and make a living out of that. If that was the mindset then, why did you feel the need to go and study music? Because you could just get your guitar and you could go to a pub or you could go on the street and you could play your music. So that option is available. You don't necessarily have to study it. So what was the, the motivating factor in order to, to go and study? Although I lived in the city, I spent most of my time in Kilmore and I didn't really know many musicians. I didn't know too many people in the field. And uh, I thought, well, what a great opportunity to go to a, a, an, an education provider where there's almost like a, a, it's like a quasi kind of industry in and of itself. And, and where I went, they had, you know, they had audio engineers, they had performance streams, they had 
management streams, film and television. It was it was a real kind of melting pot of these more contemporary creative arts industries. And the amount of people that I met, there were hundreds of students and it was it was all about the networking really. And there are people that I met back then that I still know today and in fact who I've who I work with all the time. And that led on to many other things. There were tangents on tangents and you know, it's those networks that are important. Well, f- for me anyway, there, there was certainly still a lot more learning to do in, as, in terms of stagecraft. I hadn't done a lot of gigs and stuff. I'd never played in a pub or anything like that. Yeah, that'll test you. Yeah, yeah. Well, there were lots of um, opportunities there to, to sort of start to work and, and even from some of the performance nights that we did when we were being judged or marked or, you know, in terms of our competency, there were often agents and things like that that were there and they were people that I met and then I got a few gigs here and there and that led to other gigs that, and then, you know, it's like a merry-go-round. All you got to do is get on. I think it's really interesting what you say about opening up networks. So do you have any advice around for listeners who are coming through who don't necessarily have any networks or any relationships within the creative industries, how they can form them? Well, apart from the aforementioned, you know, get into a, a course or something like that. I mean, that, it may be something that you might be considering, but uh, that's certainly a good place to start. Nothing bad ever came from being more educated. You're killing two birds with one stone there. You're going to get some great education and you're going to enter into a network. But I mean, if that's not really your thing either, I mean, social media is obviously a great thing these days. So there's lots of groups out there that you can join. There's open mic nights. There's, you know, even just going to gigs and, you know, these people are there. They're not from Mars, you know, go up and talk to them. You just got to go up and say g'day. And, um, you know, I've, I've had Plenty of people come up to me at gigs and be like, oh man, you know, you really, you know it's awesome what you guys are doing. You know, I'm, I'm a guitarist rah, 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 and I'm looking to do this and that and da, 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 da. And, and, you know, you can forge relationships with people and it's, it's not that hard. Networking starts with you. It's being able to have the courage to put yourself out there and literally just walk up to someone and say hello. It's as simple as that. The course you're talking about was at JMC Academy what was the course name and, and what are some of the things you learnt while you were there? It was a degree in music, but prior to that it was, uh, if you if you did, each year was was structured that there was, a, I think, an, a Cert four and then an Advanced Diploma in Popular Music and Performance. That's what it was called. And I, I did up to the second year of that, so I, I, ta- I attained a, an Advanced Diploma in Popular Music and Performance. I sort of didn't do the third year because I started playing lots of gigs and, and almost didn't have enough time to dedicate to study. It served its purpose. It did what it did, you know, what I needed it to do, which was, again, acquire those skills that I need to go out there and work and put me in touch with a whole bunch of people that led to me being employed, which led to other amazing opportunities years later. And it wasn't until years later that I actually returned. I returned to JMC. So I I finished up in 04. And then in 2015, I, I had a bit of a, I guess, an early midlife crisis, I guess you'd say. I thought, you know what, I've, I, I started this thing, I want to go and finish it. So I went back to JMC for a year to finish my, and by then it was a Bachelor of Music in Contemporary Performance. And I, when, I, when I originally was looking at courses to do post-year 12, you know, there was VCA and Monash and, and uh, you know, I think even La Trobe University and, and places like that that had, you know, jazz and classical and, the, you know, the conservatorium was there as well off Melbourne Uni. But those kinds of streams weren't really what I wanted to be involved in. And at, at the time, although there's a lot more of them now, at the time, the opportunity to do a more popular slash contemporary 
uh, stream was was quite limited and JMC Academy was I'm pretty sure one of the only ones at the time that did it and back then you know there, there was no hex or fee help or anything like that you know my I had to work and, and pay for it and it wasn't cheap. You obviously knew what you wanted but there will be a lot of listeners who are keen on a career in the music industry but they're not sure whether to go down the university path or the private college path. So what's some advice around that for them to, to make the right choice for themselves? You've got to look at the syllabus of what they offer. If you want to become a, a recording artist or you want to you know, start a corporate band and, and have all those skills associated with playing popular music there, or, or you want to become a popular music artist, like a recording artist, original artist, might not necessarily be appropriate for you to go to Melbourne Uni and study a classical stream on guitar or vocal. You're going to learn a lot. You know, you're certainly going to acquire a lot of skills, but it's going to be geared towards a certain genre and a, a certain style and a certain style of delivery, um, not only in the education of, in and of itself, but also what they're going to want to see you perform like. And it's that's very kind of in its own environment. And every every provider has a focus. And that's something that you probably need to clarify with the provider. Shop around. You know, there's lots of them now. They all offer something slightly different. They were even going to the to the actual place of delivery. There's a lot of different vibes that you get in these places. Like, you know, although I wasn't totally sold on doing jazz or classical, one of the things I loved about VCA was the vibe in the place. Like it was an older building. It just had a, a really kind of cool vibe about it. But I was looking for something a little bit more modern a little bit more popular and contemporary in its delivery. And when I walked onto campus at JMC Academy, it was brand spanking new in South Melbourne. And it was a, it was a wonderful environment. I, I was sold as soon as I went in there. I was like, wow, this is me. It didn't really matter about the money. It was just like, oh, well, okay, I've got to, I'm going to have to wear that because this is what I want to do. Let's say for uh, students coming through that skill set is a, a given when it comes to, to music. They're a good singer, they're a good drummer, a good keyboard or whatever it is. What are some of the other skills needed to, to prosper in a, a music education environment? This reminds me of a saying, actually, that a good friend of mine said to me years and years ago. We had a particular member of our band who was a, who was a fabulous musician. But unfortunately, you know, a little bit hard to get along with, temperamental, emotional, not overly reliable, all the things you really want. And the, the, the saying that came out of it was that it's just not good enough to just be good. It is obviously prerequisite. That's, that's, the, that's par for the course is that obviously you've got to be of a standard. Let's just take a gig, for example. It's, uh, you know, you load in at four o'clock for a five o'clock sound check. You do the sound check. It's now 6.30. Let's go get a meal. Then doors are at eight. You do three sets with a half an hour break in between each and then there's an hour and a half packed down at the end. Very quickly, a uh, you know a seven or eight hour event, you're only on stage for two and a half hours. The rest of the time, you're hanging out. The vibe that you bring with you, you've got to leave your problems at the door. You know, you, you come into that environment, you're there to perform but also there to do all the other... It's all about the little one percenters, you know, rocking up on time, having the right equipment, knowing the material, you know, people that rock up late and then jump on stage for the sound check half an hour after it was supposed to start. And when you say, oh, did you learn that song that we've all learnt? And they go, no, man, I've, uh, you know, I've had a big week, man, you know, or whatever. And you just sort of go, oh, dude, 
Dude. It's just not good enough. And you just sort of go, well, you've got other people who are just as good. And I mean, even then, you, you might even be willing to sacrifice or make concessions for the fact that maybe the other person might not be as good on their instrument or, or as a singer, but they kind of make up for all of that in other ways. And honestly, I know some fabulous musicians who don't do a lot of work. And it's purely and simply because of those aforementioned things, you know, like know your stuff and be good at what you do on stage, but it it's all the other things as well that come into it. And that's not just in music. It's the same thing in the theatre. It's the same thing in the music production world, you know, or, or film and television work, anything like that. Like all of these creative industries, there's a lot of time off camera. So it's, it's important to to have all the boxes ticked. It's not just about playing the song or singing the song or or mixing the song or, or whatever it is. You know? Very good advice there, Dylan. And in our second episode, we're going to talk to you about your career on the stage. So sit right where you are. Rocking up on time, having the right equipment and knowing the material is Dylan's advice for successful music study. In our next episode, Dylan talks about his professional career and how he toured the world with popular ABBA tribute act, Beyond Again. You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series. Assault Studios production.